Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. Hello. Hello. It's inauguration week. <laughs> a new day for America, as my friend Joe Biden says. L-O-L-O-L-O-L-O-L. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, uh, I'm really, I'm really trying to have like some like hopeful and happy feelings and focus on the good things, focus on the moments that were actually great from inauguration or like things that felt great by comparison to the last four years. So it's like my, my great metrics are really off, um, but (laughs) trying to lean in. Yeah, I mean, Nothing in the pandemic feels real. Even the inauguration like does not feel real, you know? So I'm struggling a little bit with that. I have to confess that um, the night before inauguration, as I was doing my little skincare routine and going to bed, I excitedly told myself, ooh, last sleep in this regime. <laughs> and, and for some reason, like that made me feel a little bit better. And then I woke up the next day and I was like, no, the dread is still here. Like that has not changed. Yeah. I mean, that's what's hard about it. I also think that like, while I felt a lot of feelings watching Sotomayor swear in Kamala Harris and J-Lo say Libertad y Justicia. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's like definitely like there were some like good little like moments. There was something about Garth Brooks where I was like, oh, right. Like (laughs) this is what's happening. Like this air quotes unity moment is really a struggle for me. First of all, Garth Brooks is a king of uh, liberal America everywhere. So um, love Garth Brooks. And I do think that that's one of the only like moments of genius of this whole thing for me. I was like, that's right. Bring Garth Brooks forward. But I don't know, like I since we're talking about the the celebrity moments first, I have to say that there is something that was really discombobulating to me about accepting that okay sure we need to have like a public display of the transition and it has to be this like public moment because you know like you cannot let the domestic terrorists win and also you know it's important to like mark transitions of power like I get it I was like this is why we're doing it but there is something really discombobulating about like okay you're claiming that this is socially distant I'm seeing the people high five each other I'm rolling my eyes but the amount of like, you know, the the return to Obama style, it's cool to be a Democrat now that was on display today. And the celebrities just like flooding in flooding the zone. It made me really pause for a long time. I was like, OK, um, is this necessary? I don't think so. Like my ideal transition when I am, you know, like if I were king in charge of the transition, if I were the Amy Klobuchar of transition, <laughs> this would have been like the roll call at the DNC, right? It's like, everyone do it from home. Send Joe like a, you know, like a, a docu-sign. Do everything. <laughs> like, please model for us the behavior that you were asking us to have. But I had a really hard time, like, justifying all of these, like, you know, famous, not essential people being there. That was just like, that was something that was really hard to grok because 
one of the gripes that Republicans always have that is, I would say, like 95% dishonest, but is rooted in a little bit of like honest truth, is this charge of elitism and favoritism that happens on 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 our side of politics. And today I was like, no, people are correct. We are telling everyone else that they have to stay at home to save lives. And, you know, it's it's essential that you only ever leave your house to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, if that is the case, do I really need to hear um, Let's Get Loud at the inauguration? No, uh, you do tell not. Tell me about that. You do not. You know? <laughs> Definitively, you do not. <laughs> so that was that was something I was like, it was really, it was really hard. And I know that I'm like, it can seem like such an empty complaint when we've been through the nightmare of the last four years. But it's something that I definitely like took a note of. And I was like, I don't feel good in my body about this. And I don't feel good about, I just don't feel good about a return to, you know, like four years ago status quo, because that was also not great. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, I do feel that it's important to have a moment that feels like that feels big enough to feel like a moment for something like, like this presidential transition. Like I actually think it was the right call to have a thing at all, but you're absolutely right about like who really needs to be here for that. Like we're used to doing all things on zoom. Now we're used to like a tight shot in like where there are not that many people in the room. Like it would have been totally fine to just be like, okay, this is the people getting sworn in and the people doing the swearing in and that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like it does, it, it didn't feel like it had more fanfare. Like, oh my God, like the, the field of flags or whatever, like the things kind of designed to make it like, you know, feel full. I was just like, we don't need, we don't need that. Like I do appreciate a moment, but you're absolutely right. Like we did not need um, like a whole slate of performances. And I will say about some of the moments, like I was definitely very, affected and very touched and I think it was very important that there was an acknowledgement that 400,000 people in this country have died in the pandemic and watching political leaders really take a moment to mark that I was like yeah we've been living in hell for a year and it is the first time that that has been acknowledged from the like the holder of the highest office in the land and that was really that was really important and I'm glad that that was um you know, that was part of the celebration. And again, I was like, it is like, I think it is a net positive thing that we had this like public inauguration. The gripes that I have is, are really about, um, you know, like who is essential to this process and, you know, what's going on. I also have to confess that I obviously did not watch all of it. I watched a couple of snippets and Sotomayor swearing in um, Kamala Harris, like, amazing big remarkable moment we all knew that it was coming because it was reported and there was something just like very quietly powerful about seeing it you're like oh yeah okay like we bitch and moan all day but this is how progress is made you know like here it is like I was surprised at how emotional that made me because symbolism is like very 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 important there's a reason that we do these things and there was something even about seeing like, um, you know, the outgoing VP accompany the incoming VP where it was like, wow, like this political theater that we haven't had in four years where people pretend that there is order and they get along. That's beautiful to me. Also reminded anew that Mike Pence's wife is literally named Karen. You're like, <laughs> wow, all along. <laughs> forgot about that god do you remember like i mean it honestly feels like a lifetime ago when when they were just campaigning and we were talking about her towel charm business does that not feel like we were different humans 
I mean, we were different humans because we didn't think that the towel charms would be, you know, like calling from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't think the Karens would be moving in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I like, you know, like we've gotten so accustomed to calling her mother. I forgot her name was Karen. I was like, wow, the foreboding. Who knew? God, (laughs) it was, it was a, we are all, we are all different. It's like, um, the Obama at the end of eight years gray is how I feel at the end of these four years. It's like my skin is bad. My hair is definitely grayer. My, my lower back is in constant pain, like (laughs) the physical toll. Yeah. I know, but you know, it's like thinking back about those moments, like all of the things that we didn't know and some of the things that were really funny to us or, you know, whatever, when, when we did not suspect that we would live in, you know, like under fascism for, (laughs) for four years, I think that it's really important to remember how we all felt after election day 2016 and really important to remember how we felt on inauguration day 2017. And I think that those feelings should really guide the caution with which we approach the next four years. And I say this as someone who is like wholeheartedly rooting for everyone in office. I'm like, I am rooting for Joe Biden. I am rooting for Kamala Harris. Unfuck the whole thing up. Please, you know, like do everything that you were supposed to do. I don't say this from an adversarial, you know, like, like I don't like these people position, but I am saying that, that a lot of stuff today, like gave me moments for pause. Like even when I found myself, you know, like sending you all the, the pictures of, um, you know, like people's outfits and the fashion or whatever. And I was like, wow, like the petty fashion moments are back. Nature is healing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, things that we, th- things that we had told ourselves we could no longer enjoy, even though um, now that she's no longer first lady, I can say that I, um, one of the biggest regrets of the Trump presidency for me was that we did not get to discuss Melania's fashions. And I do think that she had some iconic outfits. We dipped in briefly, um, I think maybe when we were on tour, but like, yeah, you're right. It was not a focus in the way that like, maybe it would have otherwise been. Had she not right, been because everyone was like, "I'm person. sorry, we are living under fascism. Right. Like we can't enjoy nice things, you know." So we're just like, forget. And today we got our like middle of the road candidate, like not the one that anyone was excited about, but the one who won. And we are all back to like, um, oh my god, there's a you know like there's a cool Democrat president in the White House again. I was like, mm, this is part of how we got in this mess in the first place. Yeah, I mean. I will say that like when I saw the list of first hundred days actions, I mean, I fully agree with you that like, you know, that 2016, 2017 feeling of like really needing to be vigilant and like actually needing to hold up our end of the democratic bargain and like call our representatives and make clear that like we actually care about follow through. Like all of that is true. Um, But when I saw the laundry list of the first hundred days priorities like did you see this checklist that came out i mean it's all the stuff that is so and it gave me goosebumps i'm gonna like it gave me goosebumps i was like wow like things are on the board again oh my god can i important things are on the board again (laughs) and honestly some things that really surprised me was like oh wow like you are agreeing to make immigration a priority after we have literally put dreamers in like in hell for the last four years after they all disclosed their status we, you know, like prioritizing the environment, prioritizing these like big relationships that we have with other, you know, like other countries. I was, there's something about it that is just like maddening. The whiplash of like, I don't know if you noticed for the last week, the um, 
Ivanka's father's, um, you know, like when they send out the readout of what the president is going to do every day. Mm-hmm. His like said for the last week, it was like, President Trump will have many, many meetings and take many, many calls. <laughs> like, that's what it said, like literally. And every time I read that, I was like, that's me. That's literally me when I don't want to do my work. And so today to see like a semblance of like, oh, someone is going to sit at that desk and like not pretend that they're like, you know, like not working. That was really remarkable. Yeah. And and it's also for me, it was a real um, like rewind. Bet you're wondering how I got here of like a lot of the like Trump administration's worst what's the opposite of a greatest hit a worst hit like lowest moments like i don't even know um but you know hellish hits right exactly i mean it's stuff like like on when i saw on this checklist like you know like reverse the federal policies against trans americans including the ban on military service like i'm like oh right like i it's not that i forgot that that happened but it's something about seeing it lined up next to like task force to reunite children separated from their families at the border like you know all of these moments that were galvanizing moments of like horror a kind of distilled policy like evil version of like things that have long been injustices in america right it's like it's not like america has a great record on immigrant kids or like trans people you know what i mean like america was not doing great on these things like before trump got in office and so i i think it's like for me when i saw that laundry list of first hundred days priorities i was like okay like doesn't feel forward it feels corrective and that in itself is kind of sobering I mean, it's very sobering. I also found myself today just like there were moments where I got very angry when I was watching TV. Well, one of those moments is entirely my fault because I decided to tune into Fox News, um, which never works. Look at your life. Look at your choices. (laughs) I know. And it was like very maddening. But at one point, Chris Wallace was very much like praising Biden's speech. He was like, I've been watching these like inaugural addresses since like John Kennedy's like 1961, like ask not. And this is the best inaugural address I've ever heard. And everyone else on the set was looking at him like you about to get fired. Mm. And then, then, you know, like one of his like, uh, like lady co-hosts was very much like, she's like, ugh, Joe Biden is being so partisan. He's signing all these executive orders today. And then she said, she was like, what message does this send? And as I was screaming to my television, Chris Wallace says it sends the message that he won. (laughs) And I like couldn't handle, I like fully could not handle the comedy of that. So it was like that for me. And then the other moment where I felt like my anger rise a lot, honestly, was watching, you know, the, the pomp and circumstance of, uh, the, uh, the Congress people like speaking. So like hearing Mitch McConnell just be like, Oh yeah, we're all friends. Like unity. I was like, if I can enter this television, and do something about you. I would do it myself. And even Nancy Pelosi, like I, the fact that these people were almost all murdered like mere days ago and it was incited by their own coworkers and they're all pretending that everything is fine is like, it's driving me up the wall. I was like, do you people know what you were doing? <laughs> you just all, you like almost all died because your coworkers hate you. And now you're pretending for the sake of unity that we're not supposed to talk about that. That was really, that was something that was like really, really hard to stomach. And it, it took me back to like, you know, very cynical, like living in DC days where you would watch these like people come and go and you're like, well, the only thing that's for certain 
whenever there's a, a new president is that everyone switches sides on how they feel about budget deficits <laughs> and everyone switches sides about how they feel about presidential authority. And just like watching that dance happen it, right in front of our eyes, there was something like about that that just like activated my anger because it was, like the cynicism is still there. Ugh, the thing that activated my anger is all of this unity language, which was not just throughout Biden's speech, but is kind of like this overarching theme that I think a lot of a lot of prominent people in power are harping on right now. And like the thing that gets me is there is I mean, in some ways, the right is correct that there's literally no way to practice unity and still live your beliefs in this country right now, right? Like all of that stuff on the first hundred days agenda, like treating all Americans like they're, you know, full human beings with rights for for like a starting point is like not a plan of unity. Like there is not a widespread agreement in America that like <laughs> all people are like, are like, like deserve wow, to be treated man. with respect and dignity. What? I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm like literally shook because of the truth of that. I, the like profound truth of that. It's like, yeah, like we can't get along because some of us think that people are whole human beings and some of you don't. So where's the line? And listen, I know an inaugural address is not the place for like a rhetorical examination of like, what does Merriam Webster say? The word unity really means, (laughs) but like, but you know, like I was thinking about it and like unity as oneness in the sense that like everyone in this country, our fates are bound up together. Like that is actually a policy principle I would love to see us operate from, right? Like that would mean everyone would be wearing masks and it would mean that we would be like taking a very different approach to public education and the environment and all kinds of things. And instead it's used in this like super superficial way of like, we need to make people who um, disagree with the basic humanity of others feel good, like feel like they're being heard or something and it really bothers me it feels like that word is something that is core to like the beliefs that I hold about how I want to see this country run like yes I do want to see it run with like a oneness and a sense of like unity applied across the board and it's like just being misused misuse of language I'm really feeling very angry about it you know and like I know and just the way it feels like at odds with like everything that actually needs to be done to start undoing some of the damage that's been done for four years I really really struggle with that I it reminds me of that as tweet this tweet I saw that was like a it's no longer the United States of America. It's just the States of America. And I was like, I am down for this rebrand because that is where we're at. But you know, the, the other thing about unity for me is I'm like, I am really happy to, to talk about unity. And I think that obviously we are going to have to move, like we are going to have to move on because it is, this situation is not tenable. The half of the country hating each other. I was like, this is, it's not going to work. It is not a long term <laughs> tenable situation. And I agree that the solution is that we need to move on where we all disagree is what needs to happen yeah. in order for us to move on. <laughs> and so when I hear you people just saying like, yeah, like unity, 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 all I hear, it's like, a, it's like in a dysfunctional family when somebody does something bad and everyone else decides that, okay, the way to like move on, quote unquote, is to just never speak about it again. Mm-hmm. And to pretend that it never happened. And that's the way that, you know, no one gets hurt. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, people have really gotten hurt. We need to learn lessons about what happened. We need to actually discuss what happened. And so how can we have unity unless there is 
I don't know, like a commission that investigates everything that happened with uh, the events of January 6th. How can we move on as a country if we do not all collectively process so many things that happened in the last four years? And how do we move on if we do not hold people accountable who really harmed this country? Right. And, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I am down to be united, but and I want to get to that side. But it is just empty words to say, you know, like, let's all pursue unity and let's all be together when the resentment is so clearly at the surface. I'm like, and the way to deal with that resentment is to address it. So, you know, I'm like, other countries have like truth and reconciliation. I'm like, we definitely need it. I don't know that we're going to do it. But this is, it is really maddening to see people talk about outcomes and not be willing to do the work to get there. Absolutely. And then also just the way that that line of messaging is so effectively kind of like echoed and manipulated by people who are very much responsible for like so much of the pain that like we are collectively in right now. You know, I mean, did you see Ivanka like, can we now move forward in a positive way? It's like, it's like, what that means is don't get mad at me. Like, I want to actually just keep living my life and having my businesses like move forward in a positive way is just code for like let's just forget everything that just happened and right like it's literally a code for like i would like to go to fashion week again and i would like no one to be mad at me and honestly with this country's track record i fully believe that in a year and a half it will all be like water under the bridge (sighs) so (laughs) that is the record is not good (laughs) the record is like truly not good about you know even when there are consequences for misbehavior in this country at least rich and powerful people do not um, suffer consequences. So that is definitely like top of mind for me. But it, it's also, I think that there is something that the people who call for unity and don't want to do the work and don't want to confront the accountability, like forget, is that for the people who feel aggrieved or the people who are injured or the people who are terrorized and scared, A call for unity with no accountability just leaves you feeling dispirited. Mm -hmm. And if you feel dispirited, you will not be a full participant in the democracy. And also that resentment will always just be there. And so there is something about it for me too that's like, okay, well, you know, the last four years were tough for everyone. Um, They were definitely tougher for some people than they were for others. And the louder the call for unity, the more I look at those people, I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, like, uh, you are not the closest to uh, the bottom of the marginalized pool that someone can be. So it's also just like replicating all of these other terrible tendencies that we have when, you know, like we have clashes about race or clashes about class or, or any of these things where people who are always at the top of the food chain want to very quickly move on and really do not take the time to realize what is at stake by wanting to do that and the fact that nothing will change if behavior is not addressed. Yeah, I mean, the definition of the easy way out that fixes absolutely nothing.
on inauguration day, I kept trying to stop myself from spinning immediately into like this line of thought. I was like, can we just feel good for one second about someone who is like not doing as many bad things, being in charge of the country? You know, like there was a lot of uh, in, in like cognitive um like can I just try to enjoy a little a little bit of this moment like thing that was going on for me but like that is also it it is it is really difficult for me when that is the overarching language like it does not feel brave um or or like the kind of requirement of presidential office right now in this moment to just say like we need to move forward and like we all we're all in the same country or like platitudes like that i mean basically the whole unity line of rhetoric that was just so present throughout inauguration i just feel it's hard for me not to feel despair about that for all the reasons that you just said yeah it's also i just keep going back to you know like thinking about obviously feeling like a relief that you know there are competent people in charge now and there are people that even when we disagree with them we can trust that they're not complete sociopaths, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, we don't have to go to war with them because we don't agree. But, I like, I'm really trying to balance that with also all of the knowledge that we have gathered in the last four years. Namely, that democracy is so fragile and that everything is hanging by a thread. And I was like, if if the last four years we've been walking on eggshells, just this wanting to forget that immediately and to just say okay sigh of relief like uh you know joe and kamala are driving the boat now i can i can take a seat back i was like well if you feel that way you probably have learned nothing in the last four years right yeah because the the constant vigilance that we have is something that i'm like it need it needs to carry on i'm not saying that you know, we need to be like tense every day and at, at war with our elected officials and, you know, like all of those things. But I am saying that having a healthy dose of skepticism, having a healthy dose of, you know, still checking into the work of being a citizen, like not, like this moment should not change that we have to keep calling our elected officials for things that matter to us. It does not change that we have to like show up for elections um, across the board it does not change the fact that um, we have to stay informed as citizens and we need to, you know, any of the activism that you've picked up in the last four years is activism that you should be doing for the rest of your life now, no matter who is president. And that feels really heavy to me when I think about how I have lived in the last four years. You know, I'm like, okay, how much of this is sustainable, but also how much of it is still very necessary. And it does strike me that it is still very necessary because it does matter who is at the helm, but the problems, some of these problems have always been here and they're not going anywhere. So putting the bandaid of, okay, I like the new team on it is not going to help. Right. And in some ways I actually am heartened by the fact that there are more people in office right now and people in greater positions of power who, um, who claim to care, right? Like, I mean, one of the scary things about the last four years was, Um, the total lack of accountability. It's like everyone with, um, you know, with a position of electoral power who could have held this administration accountable opted not to, right? Like they, and and like, I'm sure they got some letters from constituents saying like, um, can you please, can you please check this administration? Um, And I, I do think that like the, um, shamelessness and the lack of accountability of the last four years, like that shifting to people who at least profess that they want to do 
right by a set of values that are a lot closer to the ones that you and I hold is like a huge opportunity, right? Like it's sort of saying like, you know, that feeling that I had in the early days of this administration of like all of my calls and letters are going into the void. Like I'm doing it to leave a record and to know that I said like, this is, this is not okay by me. Like that, that is one way to like show up in the world. And, and it's another to kind of say like, okay, like you say, you say we agree, like, what does that mean in practice? It's sort of like you say you want unity. What does that mean in practice for you? Like you say you care about these issues, like tick down the hundred days agenda. What does that mean beyond just reversing the policies of this last administration? Like that in some ways makes me feel more excited to keep doing this work than just like telling myself, oh, all politicians are terrible. That's just my personal motivator of like, maybe these people like care a little bit more and therefore my time and effort means a little bit more, like reaches a little bit more. Listen, I'm going to read to you a Biden quote from when he was swearing in the political appointees today because it was such a small thing, but maybe of all the things that happened today is the thing that choked me up the most because it was, it was just like too much decency. I was like, I cannot handle the amount of decency in this place. So he's swearing in the the appointees and he's like, if you're ever working with me and I hear you treated another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise I will fire you on the spot, on the spot. Everyone is entitled to being treated with decency. Oh, I just, I'm like, the amount of times I disagree with this man <laughs> and the level with which this just like choked me up today. The preschool realness just, like, tells of that. You, <laughs> yes, it just, it tells you where we've been for the last four years. Yeah. You know, and, and again, and this is what I really mean by we can really disagree with policy and we can disagree with, you know, like people's priorities or how they're tackling things or, you know, the optics of it all. But just knowing that there is someone who just like cares about like the basic decency of how you treat your coworkers, you know, like, like you're, you're the president, you're not the king. Like you are literally the, you are in charge of this tight ship and knowing that you just like care for the people who work with you. I'm like, I have not had that feeling in four years. And I really like genuinely like I appreciated that as a moment. Ugh. Thank you. I did not. I did not actually watch the swearing in of those appointees, so I kept. I did not. I did not hear that myself. Um, but yeah, what a relief, right? Like on that on that basic level. And on another note, quote: "We will be back in some form." <laughs> I mean, I died. I died. I fully died when when he said that this morning because I was like, I hope you mean in handcuffs. Like I'm here for that. Oh, but also Anne, the like throwing the tantrum of throwing yourself a party at 7am because you don't want to go to the noon party is I like, I was like, this energy is so demented. Like I cannot believe it. I just like could not believe the like the petty bang with which this man went out. I have to say I have also been thinking about this word choice and this phrase a lot. And like, we will be back in some form to me is like, in some ways, like the only good poetry to ever come out of this man's mouth, which is to say, it's like, Oh, right. Like this administration is not over all the horrible things that were already a part of this country. And some that like, you know, he granted much greater permission to express are all still here. Like, you know, the, I don't know the the some formness of it and like the way that like I am able to be continually surprised by um, the various ways that he has managed to stoke hate. I'm like, you're right. You will surprise me. Like that is like another real like 
case for staying vigilant. Like, I know that that was intended as like a rallying cry for his supporters, but I have to say, I'm like, this is one of those times where I'm like, please do broadcast this statement widely. Like, please do quote this because like, it is the truth. It's like all this, all this horrible shit is like not going anywhere. Yeah. It's not going anywhere, but I I would be lying if I said that there's not a tiny, tiny, tiny part of me that is very excited at the thought of this man starting his own political party to siphon off Mm. like influence from the GOP. I'm like, if the next four years are them fighting each other instead of fighting us, there is a small part of me that's like, okay, I would like to see it. To that, again, I'm the Angela Lansbury eating popcorn gif when you say that. (laughs) (laughs) I would love so true. But you know, again, like speaking of unity, right? Like it's like, I I find myself like thinking these like deeply just like petty things. I'm like, yes, I was like, please, I'm here for the infighting. I am here for Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley to tear tear each other to pieces, trying to be their party's nominee. I'm here for like, you know, like the, the Trumps, like trying to go after all of their enemies in the GOP. And then, you know, and then it's like, I remember that actually all of those power games still hurt so many people. I know it's true. Even the people that I don't like, like the people that I do not like that I am politically not aligned with. And I mean like the citizens, not the politicians, (laughs) the people who are like, I would never vote for the lady or like, like I hate that there is a a black woman VP or your average bigot. Even those people. (laughs) I was like, this is hurting you. And how are we going to be united if we just cannot have like the bare minimum of agreeing that, you know, like we are blessed to live in this country. Wow. I sound like a corny, like politician. (laughs) I can't believe I said that, but you know what? I stand by it. There is just truly, it's like the only relationship I want to have with like political adversaries is really like, okay, I don't agree with you, but at the end of the day, um, we are really lucky that we get to disagree like this because that is not true for everyone else. Yeah. And I, I do think that, um, you know, I will be really interested in the coming weeks to hear about like whether there are any reforms planned for all of these loopholes in the presidency that we heard about. Like, I mean, I'm like, there's a lot of opportunities for people who are in power now to do something about all of the, um, yeah, the places where the constitution has not Uh, maybe worn as well as the founders would have hoped. (laughs) And I'm really thinking about like, um, yeah, like what are the, what beyond, beyond just like, like how are we feeling about like average citizens and their beliefs and how are we feeling about like the future of party politics? Like, like who is really doing some thinking and safeguarding about like the institutions that allow us all to disagree, but kind of like show up in the same way extremely nerdy desires on my part (laughs) big questions that need big answers i am here for that um uh i have to ask you about bernie's mittens listen bernie sanders going viral for doing nothing at all is so on brand i just cannot even (laughs) like i cannot 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 i have enjoyed all the memes obviously i love his energy um the mittens like look flames i would love some like vermont country store mittens too oh i'm gonna let my mom know that you're interested in mittens like that she makes them out of recycled wool sweaters i'm fully gonna fully gonna get her on the case (laughs) 
<laughs> wow, dead stock. I'm into this. <laughs> when I saw that photo, I immediately sent her a link and was like, did you send mittens to Bernie Sanders? I mean, the answer is my mom did not send mittens to Bernie Sanders. My mom would be sending them to a very different politician. But um, it did occur to me that I have seen those mittens before. And please don't malign your mother who sends me the best care packages. If Bernie Sanders asked her for mittens, she would 100% oh, deliver on them. That is true. My mother is nonpartisan in her mitten providing... <laughs> um, and yeah and then on the flip side melania's thirty seven hundred dollar gucci caftan like for the dramatic landing in florida like that's the flip side and i loved it first of all okay since we're going back to melania and i'm confessing that you know one of my like biggest regrets was the the mist of fashion discourse of melania like all villains she is like fabulously dressed so you cannot take that away from her I love that her outfit today was also um, the like um, the black dress was also an, another like nod to Jackie O because at the first inaugural she wore that like powder blue also like Jackie O referential dress. But when this ghoul came out in that retirement caftan, I literally cackled. I was like, you know what? Touche. Like till the end, till the end. Like she was so she like put on her out of office. She's like, I don't ever have to do this. be best to bullshit again. <laughs> Like, I am putting my caftan She's on. Be dressed. And that's I was like, it. You know what? Yeah. Like, I, I do not like this woman, but that was a touche move. You know, like, I'm like, I can't even, like, I cannot even be mad at this energy. She just, like, could not. She's, she's so over it. Even, like, I remember thinking at, you know, like, her Christmas uh, fracas when she was very much like a, <laughs> like, I fucking hate doing this Christmas shit. I was like, if she had been, if she had been married to a different person or she had been a different first lady, I would literally have been rooting for her. I was like, thank you. You gave us some, like, truly iconic moments. But you know what? You chose wrongly and you were wrong the whole time. So no one gets to have fun with that. But the retirement caftan was iconic. It's true. It really, like... It was a moment. I feel like that that and the like, we will be back in some form. I feel like those two are, I mean, well, and um, the outgoing, this isn't inauguration week story, but the story about Jared and Ivanka refusing to let the Secret Service use their toilet. Like those, those like the trinity of those things is just like, I can still find ways to laugh through the horror that these people uh, commit. I mean... <sighs> Here's the truth. The last four years were awful. They were awful, 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 awful. People really suffered. But this tiny thing that makes me feel that, you know, these like bad actors in in the Republican Party, namely Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, will maybe not get as far as Trump. And this is a big maybe. But the thing that like keeps me going is that they are net they're nowhere near as funny as Donald Trump. Like Donald Trump is a piece of shit, but also had some like genuinely hilarious moments. And I was like, these people have never told a joke in their life. They have never charmed anyone in their life. This is gonna be fine. And one of the most like maddening aspects of the last four years was just you were like, okay, if uh, you know, we didn't have like Nazis in the White House, this would just be like funny SNL fodder like that time we had an idiot 80s businessman in the White House and instead it turned into a nightmare well our four-year national nightmare is not really over because all the reasons we just discussed but kind of sort of like in a way <laughs> some parts of it 
we can exhale a tiny Listen, bit. Some parts of it are over. Yeah. And that thing that you said earlier, that thing that you said earlier has really like struck a chord for me about so much of what is happening right now is corrective. And while I'm like, I am ready to hurdle towards uh, justice, please bend the arc of justice further. There is something just like very soothing to the brain and to the soul about, okay, um, the whole house has burned down, but we can really start sifting through the embers now, you know, and, and figure, figure some new stuff. And that, I don't know. It's, I, I am really like refusing to be defeated by these last four years. And I think that that's really important too. It's true. It's like the house has burned down, but like we can still see the outline of the chimney, the lockbox in like back in the closet has survived with a few important documents in it. Like we definitely have a few things that like we can use to rebuild. I, yeah. And I don't know. I'm really, um, I am, I am hopeful and energized about accountability beyond the just merely corrective stuff. I will say that. Mm-hmm. Wow. What a, what a day. What a week. What a lifetime. I know. <laughs> I know. Um, wow. 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 Okay. When we get off the phone, I need you to text your mother immediately for me about some like mittens. Thank you. I am, I am basically going to reply to the thread with the Bernie mittens and say, can you make these for Amina? <laughs> I am like Ugh. fully going to watch your mailbox is all I have to say. I'm sure she has a stockpile of them already created because we're all coping with the pandemic in our own ways and um, the women in my bloodline craft. So. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right. I'll see you on the internet. I will see you on the internet. I hope that we have some really just boring weeks ahead. I like I'm ready for just regular racism to come back regular you in, know, some like form, in some form in some form right I'm I'm excited for us to fight about what you know like the the vice president is wearing I I want like the most boring scandals to happen we did it Joe thank you I will see you on the internet <laughs> You can find us many places on the internet, callyourgirlfriend.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're on all your favorite platforms. Subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. You can call us back. You can leave a voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. You can email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. We're on Instagram and Twitter at CallYRGF. Our producer is Jordan Bailey, and this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. Bye.